0: On today's episode of the After the Timeout podcast, we are talking all things player development. We are hanging out with John Beck, player development coach. A great episode to not only get into the ins and outs of player development, but create some ideas for your program that you can use. So let's get started with our opening tip uh coach you got uh, you got a whole bunch of Twitter followers. you put some awesome content out there. Mm-hmm. What I really like about it a- a- as I look at it it's it's so concise and to the point uh, you know and I, I don't know if anybody's ever told you that before, but I you know and, and I after kind of looking at some of your stuff, I've tried to start doing a better job of coaching like that right of here's the main points here's what we got, but when you first started off on social media uh Kind of, what was your goal? And now that you've kind of built the following, um, you know, what are the things you're trying to accomplish with your 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 Twitter and your social media?
1: Well, I I met Joshua Medcalf years ago, uh, saw him speak uh, many different times, and I just kind of from that point on, I was such a goal setter when I was young. I mean, it was all about goal setting. But as I've gotten older, and I met him, it kind of changed the way I think. So. I never really had a goal with with social media. Um, It's turned into, you know, I just wanted to kind of give some advice from my experience. And I picked an audience. I said, okay, I'm going to try to help players, coaches, parents. And um, next thing you know, it's kind of, you know, my friends are calling me saying, dude, you got 20,000 followers. And I'm like, yeah, I just, you know, I'm not really doing anything. I'm the most of the stuff I tweet is just, you know, real life stuff that I see every day or that I read in a book or somebody brings to my attention. Uh, So I never really had a goal with the followers. And, you know, more of my friends and coaching buddies are more, you know, kind of excited about it than I am. I'm just kind of like, yeah, it is what it is. Um, But it is fun. And the way I kind of find success from it is I get so many DMs. And that's where more of the engagement happens, I think. And I actually help people because I go into detail. I try to answer you know every dm i get especially if it's of substance and i feel like i can help and um that's where i find the most enjoyment because you know i go into the deep detail and and we try to come up with a with a solution or at least you know give some people things to think about which i think is what social media is a great use for so i try to keep it and i try to make it informational and helpful and like you said i try to take out the fluff you know i don't try to make it where it's just trying to you know, get followers, getting followers has been great, but I've never, you know, sought out to get followers. That's not anything that I really care about, to be honest. Uh, I know that might, may sound harsh, but uh, it's been fun though. You know, it's been fun to see it kind of grow. And, um, you know, most people in my profession and in the training business, you know, they've got Instagram and TikTok and all these things. And I just, I'm not a big social media person when it comes to that. And my Facebook is very, I, I, I post very rarely, but uh, Twitter is something I kind of, you know, came on to. I think it's direct to the point, quick. And I just try to help and serve others really.
0: So let's kind of build on that then. How how do you feel, you know, because we're in such a social media world? How do you feel, you know, coaches can use social media as 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 a tool, maybe in in, in helping their players, helping develop their coaching? Um, how, how do how do we how do we use all the uh, I guess the resources we have uh, positively and, and develop as develop our players develop ourselves as coaches.
1: Yeah that's that's what it is now it's it's uh, I tell players all the time when I when I grew up we didn't have trainers and we didn't have these social media we had to like just find you know find mentors and ask them and now. You can have so many mentors, and they don't have to know who you are, but you can be mentored by so many different people. And social media is a great tool. You get to choose it on Twitter, Instagram, you get to choose who you follow. And so, you know, if it's, if it's a young kid and I want to learn, you know, how to become a better basketball player, I can seek that knowledge out. I can see videos. I can listen to podcasts. I can do so many things. So, in this day and age, there's no excuse for players, for coaches, for parents not to be able to, you know, get the right type of information. Um, and the bad thing about social media, there's a lot of bad information out there. There's a lot of things that are just trying to to gain followers and and um you know there are a lot there're just as much bad out there as there are good, maybe even more. but um the great thing is you get to do research, you get to talk to people who who've been there who know, and uh, it, man, it can be a great tool. It's one of the things I use more than any I listen to so many podcasts and i'm I appreciate you guys having me i I always say I listen to way more than I've actually been on, so uh, I was actually listening to one right before we got on today. And so, um, you know, it, it's the way that coaches and, and parents and players and whoever, you know, teachers, educators can can learn. Social media is such a powerful tool.
2: That is for sure. Um, we wanted to get into your playing career first and then into your your coaching career. Obviously, you played collegiately. Um, you've coached in the youth, the middle school, AAU, high school level, boys and girls. Um, for you, you know, maybe somebody that's getting into coaching or has been in it for a short time, regardless of the level, um, but, you know, maybe what are three or four things for a coach starting out that they should have as skills? But, I mean, it could be knowledge of the sport, but it could also just be reflection of skills of themselves. But what are three or four skills you think a new coach should bring?
1: Well, you know, I, I coached at the collegiate level as well, Arkansas State. I, I did three years of a, of a graduate assistant. Um, took my fifth year to change majors and graduate from my undergrad, and I took two years to get my master's. And so, obviously, with, when you're dealing with youth players, you know, that changes from a middle school player, that changes from a college player, from a professional player. But there are things, I think, that, that kind of, you know, go across all the boards. Um, when obviously we're dealing with young players is just try to have as much fun as you can be around the game, learn as much as you can about the game. Um, But when it comes to actual players, the first question that usually gets asked is who can they defend? That was the reason that I actually got to play college basketball. There are a lot of six foot, you know, white kids around the country who can really shoot the basketball. They spend a lot of time in the gym, owning their skills, working on their shot. But I remember when I was a sophomore, in high school, I had a division one coach come to my summer league game. And he walked up to me afterwards and and just said, Hey man, enjoy watching you play. I just came here to see if you could guard somebody and move laterally, if you were quick enough, tough enough, physical enough to be able to guard somebody laterally. And he goes, And you are. And so, you know, we'll we'll be we'll be talking to you soon. And so I took it upon myself to say, Man, that's that's something that you know is gonna separate me. And that coaches are really going to be looking for. And so I took pride in that. So number one is, can you defend? I think obviously, if you can defend, you know, somebody else on the floor, that's going to help you out uh, tremendously. So learning how to, you know, guard your man, guard your yard, rotate, you know, playing man to man principles is going to be something that, that can help you. And then obviously, if you think about the game today, shooting is you know, the number one skill if you can shoot the basketball, you know, you're going to be able to play. I mean, there's most of the games you see, they're putting four or five guys on the floor or girls on the floor that can, that can make a shot. And so, you know, being able to shoot the ball with correct mechanics, with correct form where it looks like a jump shot and everybody didn't go in in the crowd, I think is very important. And then, you know, again, shooting, finishing is shooting, finishing is positionless. So can you finish around the rim? Can you finish, you know, with both hands, with different types of footwork, with physicality, over length, you know, those things obviously matter. I'm not big on ball handling, um, you know, with young players sometimes to get engagement and to get them, you know, the ball pounding. That's that's great. But I'm more, especially as they get older, it's can you handle pressure and can you get somewhere with the ball in two dribbles and three dribbles and try to break down a defense or make a play. And so, um, you know, the last one I would say is probably and. I would say it's almost more important than the skill is decision-making. It's it's overlooked. A lot of the times you, you go and see these group training sessions you see trainers around the country doing all these ball handling things and going over the footwork and going over, you know, get to this spot and shoot. But they take out the most important thing, which is what happens in games, is the decision. And so decision-making, I think, is even more important than the skill. Um, and that's what so many kids that come to me struggle with, is their parents will say, Coach, man, my kid looks amazing. He's been going to this trainer for two years, and they look so good in these training sessions, and they get in the game, and they have no idea what to do, how to do. And I always say, how do they train? You know, that's the – It's if, if I'm trying to prepare for this test and I fail this test, I'm going to say, how did you study? And when you find out that when you add decision-making and defense, and it's a game-based approach to training – you start to see things translate you start to see kids get more comfortable, more confident, be able to make plays in games. And so, again, I know that was quick, but can you defend, you know, can you, do you have good shooting mechanics? Can you make shots? Um, Can you handle pressure? Can you finish around the rim with both hands and are you able to make a decision? And then obviously, you know, skill wise, can you pass with both hands? Can you make passes, hook passes, you know, to, to defenders? And that's another skill I would probably throw in there.
0: <clears throat> well, we're gonna, we're gonna, I think, we're gonna circle back. Yeah, no, that was perfect because, you know, we're gonna circle back to some of that here later on in the conversation. But, um, so I want to talk to that, you about that, your time you spent. I, I
1: want you to, I want you to think about this too is that that's what I would say, you know, on the floor as far as skill work on the floor if right. if If you're dealing with players off the floor, and, and there are times that coaches call me and say, "Coach man, this guy just can't get through this kid. he's He just doesn't like me, he doesn't believe in me. His parents are, are you know make fun of me at the dinner table, so he just doesn't you know and so if you're talking about skills off the floor, it's are you coachable? You know, Do you have humility? Do you understand that, hey they're doing the best they can they're they're trying to to help you. They're trying to win games. They're trying to juggle all these balls, just like you are. The pressures of coming from being a kid, they, they got a lot of pressures as coaches as well. And so, you know, are you coachable? Do you have humility? Are, do you have a relentless work ethic? Do you work hard? Do you, do you just show up and go through the motions? Or do you actually work and try to own your skills and show up to practice and prepare for practice and prepare for games? So you have to have an outstanding work ethic. And then – you know, are you unselfish? Do you think it's about you? You're playing a team game, basketball's a team game. And so you can show up and do one-on-one training sessions and do all that stuff, but it's it's a team game. So are you unselfish? And then you got to get to the mental side of things. You know, are you mentally tough enough to be able to be coachable? Can you take corrective, constructive criticism? Sorry, I had a little update there. Um, you know, are you mentally tough? And then I think the probably the most important for young kids off the floor is, are you a leader? Are you practicing being a leader? Whether it's with your with your actions or with your words, you got to be able to try to prepare kids. That's what we're trying to do is use the game to make better human beings, you know, in the long run anyway. And so you have to give kids, you know times to practice their leadership. And so those are you know skills that I think, kind of off the floor that really helped and again i could i could name five more but those are just a few that that, that jump to mind
0: well that's 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 uh, that's really that's a really good uh I, again boiled it down to the to the basics i love it um all right so next question you spent some time with drew handling in pure sweat um which i'm sure was a was an awesome experience because he he does a lot of a lot of good stuff and a lot of uh, you know um quality stuff but when you were, when you were in that experience, what did you learn about how to train athletes at a high level? And then what was something you saw that you didn't think about uh, beforehand when training athletes? Um, you know, Drew, Drew gave me
1: an opportunity and I'm so forever grateful. Um, went out to LA and lived there for three months with him. That's when he first moved there, didn't even have a bed, you know, when he first got out there. Um, of course, now, you know, he's, you've seen how it's kind of taken off, but, um, you know, his, his teaching is what I wanted to go out there and see. It was more of an opportunity for me to say, Hey, I want to do this full time, but I'm kind of, I'm not, I'm not sure if I can, I'm not sure if I really want to. And then once I went out there and, and did it, and then he actually hired me, obviously it was something I jumped into full time, but just his deep level of teaching is what I've learned is, is there such a, you know, and I already knew Drew, but long before that, I've been to every coaching academy, and we're actually from the same state, uh, actually both really good high school players, and very successful, you know, both play Division One basketball, and so we've, we've always known each other, we had a lot of the same guys recruit, both of us, um, and so me going out there with him, and, and interning was not about professional NBA players, it was more just just to watch him and learn from him and, and write as many notes. And I mean, I squeeze the sponge as, as much as you can squeeze it. Uh, I was there early morning, late nights. Um, and and so if there's anything that I've learned from him, it's just how you have to really get into the deep, the deep dive of teaching skills. You can't just tell a player, Hey, go do this. You know, you got to teach the why, the when, the how, the where, and watch film and, um, you know, that's the things I really learned from him. And then what was your second part of that question? I can't remember what you said.
0: Uh, what was something you 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 saw or in that training that you didn't think about before? You know, you had your you were training, you kind of had an idea and you went out there and you saw something and you're like, oh man, yeah, I never thought about that before.
1: Well, you know, I've, I've spent my entire life studying the game. So it was never really about that. It was more just the deep, you know, teaching. And, um, you know, it was kind of like, before, before I met him, even years prior to that, it was like, I thought I knew a lot about basketball. I thought I knew the game, but I was like, oh, there's a whole different level. And, you know, I started getting into that level. And so then years and years of trying to study at that level led me up to being able to come and and work for him and then ultimately get hired by him. And I worked with, with Pierce Sweat for five years. Um, and now I'm out on my own. I'm just doing, you know, John Beck basketball, but um, it, it was, it, it was never really one thing. It was more of, Seeing those professional NBA guys, and they're just like a high school kid. They just want to, they want to get better. They want to, you know, it's obviously for different reasons. They're trying to, you know, keep a contract or get a bigger contract or stay in the league longer. But um, that that was probably something I took away is, man, these guys are they're just great guys. They just they just want to come in and work hard and get better. And they're coachable and they're humble. Um, you know, you have this mindset of all these professional athletes are entitled. And they don't care, and really they're just they're just people like everybody else. They just want to get better. They come in, they're so so kind. Um, and, of course, Drew has something to do with that. He picks out guys that, you know, are good people first. Uh, so, you know, when, I, when you're working with the Joel Embiid, Jason Tatums, the Bradley Bills, and so on and so forth, I mean, they're good people. They're good guys. Um, they come in. They're very professional. They work hard. And, you know, they're just trying to expand their role. They're trying to increase their knowledge, trying to get better as basketball players. So it's the same thing with middle school, high school, college players. Uh, that's that's one of the big things I've learned and then I mean I could go into a million details of of why Drew is I think one of the best is just the deep teaching so that's what I've learned more than anything
2: so <laughs> we wanted to get into something that maybe is a little bit of a pet peeve of mine I will admit but when a is working with a trainer and they're teaching them all these things that you'll never see in a game there it's like a triple move this way, crossover back. Like there's no defender on the floor ever, apparently. So how do we get as a trainer, what are things you believe are not really that important for a player to be able to do? And, and how do we get rid of some of that fluff? You kind of hit it with some of the parents Well, like, they look so good in these training sessions, but then they don't apply it on the floor. But how do we go about getting rid of some of that fluff?
1: Yeah. And so, you know, again, I think starting off, I think the relationship with the high school coaches is, is very important for me because I learned their system of play, their style. Um, how do you get rid of the fluff? You just try to explain to kids, show them film, show them, hey, you know, the best players in the world aren't doing all this crazy, fancy stuff. They're literally, you know, their their workouts are very boring. Now, the details are deep, but the, the as far as, you know, just pulling – getting up to the elbow and pulling up and shooting a jump shot, I mean, that's what a lot of the workout is. Um, moving and relocating to spots, catching the ball and shooting now. The de- details are, are deep, but it's the things that work and translate to gameplay. And so being able to show them film and then showing them, you know, in skill work that the actions that they do and their system of play and the system of play they may have in college or in a professional is um, – you know, very simple, very simple action. It doesn't have to be all this fancy going around, you know, cones and I don't use cones. I don't use two balls. I'm not saying there's not trainers that, that that have success with that. I'm not trying to say my way is better than anybody else's, but again, I have a game-based approach. I I just, I, I think it, Hey, we can, we can break down the footwork. We can give you some solutions, but then it's like, Hey, I don't really care how you finish. I don't really care what dribble move you use or if it, ooh and ahs the crowd, what I care about is, you know, are you having success? Are you being able to break down the defense, make a play, finish around the rim? And so um, what you just said is, you know, throw, it, throw a defender out there. Throw a defender out there and and let's just see what happens. And so, um, again, I think it goes back to what I said a second ago. The decision is more important than the skill. And so if if you can make decisions and you're not going to be able to make a decision without a coach or a trainer that's, force you to make a decision or another player or players, obviously we can add layers to that skill development and uh, it makes it a lot more game-like and you see it translate to games once you do that.
0: All right. So let's build on that a little bit on the, on the, uh, the the coaching side here, you know um, just for the average, I guess youth high school coach out there, um, you know, in, in your experience, how many drills realistically, can you can you have for let's say a certain skill, whether it be closeouts or uh attacking off the catch? Um and then how would you recommend a, a coach going about selecting those drills? Obviously, you mentioned their system, and it obviously has a lot to do with the, the player skills as well. Uh, but but how how can we narrow those things down for just the, the average coach out there? And I, I guess maybe for lack of a better term, be a little bit more efficient. And working on what we need to work on that translates to games.
1: Yeah, so you know, I, I wish I could tell you, you know, there's just this right answer. But coaching is so dynamic, and there, there are coaches that win so many different ways, so many different philosophies, so many different ways of doing things. We all there's just there's not many absolutes in basketball, um, and so I can't say you know exactly how many drills it is, but I I, I do say. I think the best coaches that have really good skilled basketball players are taking a game-based approach. They're, they're, they're adding defense. They're doing small sided of games. Um, they're very intentional with their practice plan. They don't waste a lot of time with the fluff. Uh, I'm not saying there's not a time for full court three man. We for two minutes and, and hit a number. Um, I wouldn't do that, but there are coaches that do, and they win a lot of games. And so, Again, I can't sit there and say there's absolutes when it comes to, you know, coaching and drills, the number of drills. But I think the great coaches, they do have a game-based approach, and I think they're always constantly evaluating and adjusting based off of their film, based off of their personnel. Um, And so, you know, I I think that's, that's what it does when it comes to, you know, philosophy as far as, you know, skills translating to gameplay and how many drills and that and that sort of thing is, um, you know, a lot of, we have a lot of great coaches in Northwest Arkansas, guys that are involved in, you know, many different podcasts that uh, have college experience, who have USA basketball experience, um, have a lot of good coaches. And so, you know, again, I've seen a lot of different philosophies. I work with pretty much every player from every different school on, on the boys' and girls' side, and so I have to learn as much as I can about their philosophies and about, you know, these coaches, and, and that helps me uh, do what I do. And so, um, you know, I wish I could tell you there's absolutes and certain number of drills, but um, there aren't. I think it's just it comes down to, you know, whatever that is important to that coach, and I think most of the time they make it, they make it a game-based approach, which means there's defense and decisions constantly in their practices. <clears throat> My coffee's gone. Dang it. My last sip.
2: (laughs) So you kind of hit on this actually a little bit, but I I wanted to expand, you know, what does being a good teammate look like? And if it's not your strength as a player, how can a kid, and I know this might sound like an easy question, but as we know, as coaches, it's not always, how can a kid improve being a teammate and kind of how can their coaches help them grow in that aspect?
1: Yeah, so we talked about that a little bit earlier um, with as far as the skills off the floor. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. And so, you know, I think I think being on a team, you know, number one is do you respect everybody and do you respect, you know, what they bring? Everybody's not going to be the, the star, a starter, a bench player. Um, you know, same way with the coaching staff, same way with the managers. And so I think it's it's more of just, you know, knowing, that you have a role and you're part of something much bigger than yourself and you respect all the strengths and weaknesses of all the other, you know, teammates, because again, we're trying to use the game to translate to, to the real world. And so, um, you know, are you coachable as far as the coaching side of things? there's so many control freaks, if you will, who just want to be the dictator and it's my way or the highway. And, you know, I had, a I have a coach in the area who said, you know, we have no leadership at all. We have none. And so I asked him, I said, well, coach, how many times are you letting them run the practices or run the weight training sessions or, and I'm not saying they have to be the, you know, all the time in charge type thing, but to sum it all up, if you're not letting your kids practice leadership, they're never going to get good at it. You know, if you're not letting them, you know, you you're taking back the control and giving the control away, they're never going to get, you know, be able to, to develop that skill of, of leadership. And so um, a lot of the times you have to step back, drop your ego, you know, be, have some humility, be a lot more humble and say, Hey, look, we're going to let so-and-so handle this today, or we're going to let her, him, you know, run this part of practice or or whatever it is. It doesn't have it has to be on the floor. It could be off the floor as well, but giving kids, you know, opportunities to practice leadership is where I think it's at. All
0: right. So let's, Dive into uh, uh, translating skills, right? To that to that gameplay, you mentioned small-sided games. Um, You know, players working on those skills. They got they got the skills down. Um, Now, you know, even in small-sided games, that's still not a full five-on-five game. As we all know, you get into five-on-five, amps up a little bit, right? You're in a you're in a regional game. You're in a a big conference game. So, you know, let's take those skills and those small sided games and now helping players every player is going to make a mistake we all know that um but try to be more consistent with their decision making and, and and time and place to use that skill so what does that process look like for you and helping players take those skills and now put them in the right time and place yeah and, and i i just call it actions
1: you know um you watch patterns of basketball, and there, there are a lot of dribble handoffs. There are obviously a lot of ball screens. There are pin downs, which is not quite as much a down screen, uh, it, you know, not quite as much as it used to be in, in when I played, especially. Um, but there are just actions that happen so much. Obviously, driving kick is very is very big, but spacing the floor, uh, moving without the ball, being able to relocate after you pass, all those skills, and so. You know, again, that's, that's where it comes very important. Obviously, I have academy sessions where I have large groups of guys or girls from different schools. And so we try to build, you know, really hit on those actions. Uh, we may have a whole session developed, you know, you know, set up for just dribble handoffs. And we may have something where it's ball screens from the wing, ball screens from the from the top or whatever it is. But being able to break that down, like you just said, and whether it's one-on-one, two-on-two, three-on-three, Uh, because that's usually what basketball is usually have some kind of a pattern on one side of the floor or at the top and there's everybody else is spaced out and being able to move and relocate without the ball and so you know when you get kids good at understanding the why and the how and being able to deep teach you know those actions then it becomes let's add a layer let's make it three on three now so now we got this and then it becomes let's add another layer but again that's a game-based approach. You're working on things that actually happen in the basketball game. And so um, that that's where, you know, when I do skill work, I just, I'm very, very intentional with there's going to be defense. You're going to have a decision, you know, and again, if we have a kid that's not skilled enough to understand that, it's still going to be a thing where, I'm the one that's just kind of, hey, if I step this way, then obviously what would you do? You tell me, what would you do on this? Well, I would probably go this way. Okay, well, so again, we can make it, even with the kid that maybe is not as skilled and and very young, we can make it more of you have to make a decision before you do this skill. And so being able to teach that way, I think, and then obviously as they get older, what we just talked about, being able to put the skills in the game situations, what do you do in games? You know, and it's, it, especially in high school, we can, we can find out, we can watch film, we can look at synergy, we can look at huddle, we can, we can look at that. Um, I can watch, you know, five of your games and know what your coach is trying to do offensively and what he's trying to do defensively. Um, and so, you know, again, when, when it comes to skill work, let's work on those things. Let's work on things that are actually going to help you become a better basketball player, not things that are going to make you, you know, really tired, make you really sweat. and Oh, man, it was really fun. And those things can all happen in a very, you know, productive workout. But, hey, let's make sure we're working on skills that translate to games. And so, again, what you just said is breaking down those actions, making them small-sided. And then, obviously, at some point we have to add every layer, which is five-on-five, five, and, then, and then play out of that and learn how to play.
0: All right, I, I want to get a little even more technical here. Let's take God. Uh, Let's take dribble handoffs, for example, I go through progression. Uh, Obviously, uh, you know, we're going to start with with, uh, the individual skill and bring up. So you give us kind of a sample of, let's say we're working on dribble handoffs and the reads and and the things for that. How how are you going to build up to that with uh, maybe individual player and then going into two on two or three on three or whatever it may
1: be? Yeah, so I always I always try to do every skill with the defense is absolutely terrible. It's absolutely awful. And so we build it from the rim and we just kind of build it out. And so, you know, if you're coming off a dribble handoff, let's say you're coming off, you know, the top of the key area and a, a player's trail, let's say the defense is just lock and trail and we're getting to the rim and there's no defense that comes, you know. Well, we wanna be able to quickly get off one foot at the rim. And if defense, you know, starts to come over late. You know, maybe we get off two feet. Maybe we have a protection plan. Um, if the defense, you know, comes over kind of last second, maybe we have to make a step or some kind of an extension finish where we avoid that and, and avoid a charge. And then, again, you just kind of slowly build it out from there. I mean, I could spend ten minutes on just the, the layers and the progressions. but And then you say, okay, now the on-ball defender's a little bit better. So, now when you're coming off and you start to have an advantage, they catch up and they're on your hip. And so now what are some things we have to do? And then, you know, again, now the defender goes underneath the screen on the dribble handoff. And again, you just kind of build layers and, and show players, again, what happens through film. Um, but ultimately, once you kind of show them all the different things that can happen, it's, hey, let's see what happens. Let's put you in the situation. Let's see you react. And so, you know, starting off the, the workout, maybe just simple, hey, man, we're going to come off the dribble handoff we're getting there, we're getting off two feet, however you want. Then we're going to add a secondary defender and say, okay, same thing. But now we got to, we got to figure out a solution to this. And then we say, okay, now, you know, we're going to add the primary defender. And now I want that primary defender to blow it up, be physical, try to catch up and just being able to give them, you know, again, one-on-one and then one versus two and then two versus two. And you would just slowly see it start to build. And you can do that for any skill. You do that for pin downs, you can do it for ball screens, whatever it is, but, uh, just I always tell young trainers that reach out to me is, man, start at the rim, start with nobody's there and then start to build it, build the layers, make it a little bit tougher. Start with the defense being awful, which is not, hardly any, and then make it where it's really, really good. And then, you know, you can see it start to that light bulb moment start to click for players.
0: Yeah, to me, uh, to me, that's uh, that's what a lot of you, you mentioned, something a lot of people don't think about. Yeah, we have to dribble handoff. We create an advantage but then you just mentioned there's three or four possible reactions to Absolutely. Right, what the defense does. And John and I say this all the time, right? Like no offense to anybody we play, but a lot of times the defense isn't great. Right. You Absolutely. know, like, you know, like in the program, you can script up whatever you want because you pretty much know, Hey, this guy's going to be there and this is what they're doing. We're in the high school game. It's not. So you have to have that diverse set of skills. Uh, I want to yeah. transition now into off ball skills, right? Cause I kind of, I kind of think this is just as, just as important. Uh, I, you know, I know on our team, we work on a lot of drive and the rotations and finding windows and where they're supposed to be. Um, and there's more it than that, but how do you incorporate those things into practice video drills, maybe offensively and defensively?
1: Yeah. So, playing without the ball, moving without the ball, knowing how to move, how to stay spaced, uh, where to go is like you just said it's it's super super important. Um, you know that's a lot of my sessions are just moving without the ball because most of the time players don't have the ball you know it's, it's you go to training sessions and the player had the ball in their hands the whole entire time and you're like, that's great, but you may have the ball in your hands a minute and a half the whole entire you know high school or college game and so, being able to move without the ball um, is, is such, you know, an important skill and more importantly, knowing how to move. And I like to ask questions, put kids in situations where, okay, let's, you know, what do you do in your offense? Well, we, we do a four out one in and and we drive from this. Okay. So where are you at? Okay. So show me, what would you do right here? Well, I would do this. Okay. That's, that's, that's okay. But, but it also puts, you know, your defender and you in a straight line, which makes it tough on the passer. And so what's something else you could do? Well, I could go this way. Yeah, you could, and that would be a better thing because now it gives the passer a lot better chance to deliver the ball to you on time, on target, and not turn the ball over, most importantly. And so being able to move and know how to move without the ball and putting players in those situations – is so important. Um, You know, if you're in the corners, being able to lift up out of the wing, shake up, whatever your terminology is. If you're on the wing, being able to lift up to the slot area the top of the key or drift to the corner and and when and where and the timing of that, Um, you know, if you're on the opposite wing or slot and and somebody drives it from the other wing, hard baseline, are you drifting to that corner? or Are you coming up to a window where the pass could never get to you? And so, kids are not taught that very much they don't know how to move and so um that's very important teaching kids that hey we drive into the paint we get off two feet we stride stop we jump stop whatever and we kick it out what are we doing right here after you after you give the ball up which is you know obviously like Steph Curry and and some of these great players that's when they're the most dangerous and so where are you going what's the best option How, how would you get there if you see you know, a player starting to drive it hard left to the baseline. Where are you going? Well, I go this way. No, you wouldn't because you're bringing your defender right in their way. So you would go the other way. And so, um, you know, again, asking questions and and letting co- letting players you know give you the the solutions uh, really helps them. And then again, you know, sometimes they're gonna they're gonna you know maybe be a little bit impatient and go the wrong way. And so um, I, I welcome that too because it's chaotic and and training sessions you know, should be a little bit of chaos because the games are going to be chaotic. But you want, you know, the least amount of chaos you can because players learn how to play and move in space without the ball. That would be my answer to that.
0: That's, that's awesome. All right, so now we got all those things, right, where we have a great possession, we made a good decision on a drive or whatever it may be. Uh, off the ball, we're doing the right things. Let's talk about shot selection. Uh, maybe what, what is a good shot? in your mind? Uh, and obviously we're going to be general because that depends on players, right? Uh, what, what, where they're at, but just in general, um, what is a, a good shot? And then as coaches, um, shot allocation, right? Who, who's taking those shots and helping your players realize, okay, this player, maybe one of my better players, they're going to take this shot when uh, you're going to take this shot when so kind of both sides, the, the, the player, Aspect shot selection, uh, you know what's what's a good shot, and then the coach allocation of shots.
1: Yeah, so you know, I, again, it's basketball is we're trying to get the best shot for us. We're trying to you know have a great shot for our team. and and like you said, you know that's that can be different with really good players, really good shooters. Um, but again, that's the dynamic of coaching is being able to get your best player the most shots, get your best player, your best shooters in spots where they can make shots. Um, so as far as, you know, what, what's a good shot? I mean, obviously shots that they can, they can you know, make. Obviously the le- less contested they're going to be, the higher the percentages are. Um, so if it's a shot that's, you know, not, now there's going to be contested. your great player is going to take contested shots. And that's probably going to be a better shot than some of your other players that, that are wide open. And so um, that's the dynamic of coaching. Again, there's no right or wrong answer to that. I think that that obviously shot allocation. I mean, you could have absolutes if you want. You could say, hey, so-and-so's got to shoot it 25 times every night for us to have a chance to win. Uh, but, again, it may be, you know, he only gets 15 shots that night and you win the game. So, Coach, I thought you said he had to get 25 for us to win. You know, again, you can't, you can't put, I, I think, numbers because you don't get to dictate exactly. Yeah, you want to play a certain style, but – The other team may say, hey, man, we're not going to let you play that style. We're going to milk the shot clock every chance we get. If you're not playing with a shot clock, uh, you know, I'll pray for you. But um, what do you guys have in
2: Illinois? No, and it's our pet peeve. Don't even (laughs) go there. We're we're right there with you. We've asked probably 25, 30 guests about this topic.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So we have it in Arkansas, which is amazing. I just went to Missouri, where I'm from, and I got to see one of the teams that I work with currently. And they came to Missouri, and they were like, gosh, they don't have a shot clock here. And it, it's just – it's hard. Once you get it, it's just hard to watch, you know, basketball any other way. But, um, but yeah, it's fun to see some of the states, you know, around the country going to that. And Greg White here at Bentonville West, um, he works with USA Basketball and Don Walter a lot in the offseason. And he's been a huge advocate of, of getting the shot clock and, and um, the Arkansas Association – went ahead and did a trial run last year with the largest class. And then obviously it's, everybody's got it this year. And then I I think by next year, every class in the state will have it. And so it's, it's very, it's a very good thing, but anyways, a whole different topic there is as far as, you know, your best player getting, you you just want to, again, you want to have your best players, you know, taking the most shots. There's no absolutes. I, I just don't think you can give an absolute on, Um, that I'll tell you when I was recruited, I had a lot of college coaches and say, you're going to shoot, you know, you're going to get 20 shots a a game here. And so that was always, you know, a great thing to hear. But um, of course, you know, whether that was truthful or not, who knows. But, um, but again, I I think the essence of coaching is, you know, you're getting, you're, you're not just running the same system every year. You're saying, Hey, this is the personnel that we have. And this is what we have to do. This is the way we have to play to have a chance to get our best players the best shots and then be able to you know ultimately win games and the same thing on the defensive side you have to be able to you know what's the best style of play for us to win games you know the defensive side as well
0: all right well i'm going to follow then on that topic having those conversations with with your players and kind of helping them realize within the team aspect um those kind of things obviously it's it's fluid and dynamic but A lot of times I feel like kids associate, well, I didn't score. I only, I didn't, I scored two points, you know, and I didn't, I didn't score. Um, So how do you feel though? You know, as a coach, we can have those conversations with our kid, whether it be film, whether it be uh, using analytics, which is so much prevalent now to help everybody on that team realize like, Hey, yeah, you only scored two points this game. You didn't shoot as much, but you did these things and helped us win the game.
1: Yeah. And so, yeah, role – you know, being able to define kids' roles before or during the season, and they change. I mean, there's there's times that it changes uh, throughout the season. But being able to clearly define those roles and having those really transparent, you know, conversations with players and parents, obviously, is going to help you uh, when it comes to, you know, those type of things. And like you just said, use, use the Internet. Use the analytics. Use, you know, like let's say the Golden State Warriors, for example. You know, Draymond Green is – Obviously, he's not going to be the the leading scorer, the leading shot guy. He may not even hardly you know shoot much at all, but man, the things he brings to the table as far as defense, rebounding, passing. I mean, one of the greatest. He's he's probably you know top five out of the pick and roll and the pick and pop action of being able to get downhill or roll and then find a spray it out to a shooter you know in the corner of the wing. I mean, those are those are skills that translate to winning, and so you know, being able to show kids examples of professional players who they're just, they just excel in their role. It doesn't have to be scoring. You know, I know it's, that's what social media sells. It's got to be score. You got to score, 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 but there's such a, you know, premium on defenders and, and passers and decision makers. You know, I think Draymond's a great decision maker, absolutely incredible. One of the best decision makers in the league. And so, um, you know, having those all those intangible skills, uh, and it may not be on the floor. Like, a, you know, again, you may have a kid who's just a great energy person that just is positive and brings, you know, the the morale of the team up, and he's always, you know, showing leadership. And and um, but just uh, again, being able to tell kids, hey, this is what you bring to the table. This is your strong point, and asking them. Sometimes kids have a pretty good self awareness. Sometimes they don't. But sometimes it's like, hey, what do you bring to the table? What do you think your strengths are that you could help us with? And they say, Coach, I think I'm good at this, this, and this. And you say, what are your threats? What are you – you know, what's what's going to keep you off the floor that you're not very good at? And they say, I got – you know, it's usually this, this, and this. And so now, yes, you're correct. You just clearly defined your role. That's what I want you to bring to the table for our team to be successful. And I want you to bring it every day. And And, again – Knowing the kids, that relationship building, knowing your personnel, them knowing you, um, that's that's huge when it comes to being able to give out roles and then be you know comfortable you know within that role and be able to ultimately you know excel in their role and help you win.
2: Oh, so, Todd and I talked to a lot of guests about this. Uh, but just kind of wrap up, you know the great content that you've been talking about is, so you're a coach, and, and a lot of coaches are guilty of this. And I talked to a lot of our guests about this. But where's that balance between finding your system and then trying to match the players to it, or having the player skill set and trying to match your quote unquote system to the skill set? What's kind of that balance for you?
1: Well, it's. Again, that's what I I said a little bit earlier is the ability to constantly evaluate and adjust. If you're, you know, just coming into a program or if you've had the program for years, you know, you've got a way of doing things. But, um, you know, obviously the player's skill, the player's talent and ability is going to be able to, you know, dictate the way you play. And there's there's some years if you're a high school coach especially, it's not going to be quite as good. And you're going to have to find ways. Um, I have a coach in this area that I work with who's a great coach on the girl side. And um, sorry, I had another notification there. Um, and, and, you know, I do a lot of strength and conditioning with his program as well. And he says, coach, man, let's take a couple of weeks off from this. And it's because he realizes that, man, I got to have, I need more time on the floor with my team. And he's so good at being able to every year he gets, you know, I think the last three years and last year they were in the state championship and lost in overtime. The year before that uh, was the COVID year. They were going to be in the state championship and they would probably have won it. Who knows? And the year before that, they lost in the semifinals, but every year he had a different team. I mean, one of the years he had a McDonald's all American and then the next year he didn't have any, you know, last year he was picked. He was picked for, I think fourth or fifth in his conference uh, before the season. And so I think that, you know, being able to – that balance of being able to, you know, know what your team has to do to be able to win is, is the essence of coaching. Given your, and there's going to be times you're just not going to win. Like this year, for instance, they're just not very good. And, um, you know, they're not going to probably you – know, who knows what's going to happen, but they probably won't get to the state semifinals or the state championship. But, um, you know, I think that balance of of having your players skilled Uh, with your you know youth programs or with your middle school coaches you know having certain skills that's that are going to help your uh, program at the high school level you know those things are all important Um, but you know as far as the balance goes I think it's more of just you know you you work on the skills they translate to your system and style of play and then um, just understanding that you're not going to have you know that's going to in high school, especially, you know, be up and down. There's some years you're going to have really good players, and you're going to win a lot more games, and have a chance to compete for a state title. And there are years that you're that you're not going to. And so, I uh, hope that answers your question. Was there another part of that?
2: Nope. Perfect.
0: <laughs> All right, so let's let's move here to our last uh, last couple segments here. We're going to go 30 second timeout. It's your platform to <laughs> you want, um, whether it be something you're doing uh, with with your programs, uh, family, uh, a, a cause, anything you want lose 30 seconds. Uh, you know, the floor is yours.
1: Uh, I don't, <laughs> you guys are, I, I'm more of a, you ask me a question. I can try to kind of answer it. Um, you know, I, I think that the most important thing when it comes to, to players is again, being able to know them off the floor. I think once you can build that, that type of trust and relationship um uh, man you you get big time buy in and it just gives you you know more of a chance to coach kids when when covid hit i actually you know had a decision they shut down every gym every school gym every fitness center every you know you just could not get into a gym and so i actually went to the players homes um you know, I just didn't want to, I'm not going to say, oh, well, yeah, there's this, and we're not going to be able, I, I reached out to every kid that I trained and said, hey, look, I'll come to your house, you know, if you're going to allow me to do that. Um, and so that's, that was one of those things where it was kind of like, oh, man, what am I going to do to where it turned into, man, I know all your siblings, I know your dog's names, I know where you live, like I've been inside your home, I've eaten dinner, uh, you know, and and you build this deeper relationship and you know again now with covid you know and again i know it's a little bit different where you guys are at but um you know it started to die down a little bit and you get back into gyms you get back into training you know all throughout the week and the relationships obviously are just so much better because you just know so much more you, you know kind of you know more about how they're raised and their siblings and so um you know i think it's something that's thrown around but really being able to, to know your players, you know, off the floor, it creates this, this massive buy-in. And then, you know, again, it just, it it makes that coach player relationship so much, so much better, so much easier to coach.
2: I think that's that's my two
1: minutes, and 30
2: seconds there. (laughs) I I think it was just very well said. I think it's very simple. It's build relationships, get to know your players. Absolutely. Um, so we want to we want to go into our final segment, which is quick hitters. Which um, for and if you've ever heard our episode, sometimes they have basketball, sometimes they have nothing to do with basketball. So uh, it's just our fun way to have uh, a good time with our guests before we're done. So uh, to start off, your favorite training story from a one-on-one session with an athlete?
1: No, oh, man, I, I I really you know I have I don't have any. Um, I think one of the times I was I think one of the times I was proud is um, when we were in LA. We, sh- you know, we, every morning we show up at eight o'clock. We have a an NBA client come in, and I th- and I don't think I know it was Langston Galloway um, who just got back on a ten day contract, I believe, um, back in the NBA. But um, we showed up. We showed up to the gym, myself and a few of the other interns. And Drew had actually slept in. And so it was one of those rare, just rare occasions where I think he had woken up and then just fell back asleep. And so we're all kind of looking around at each other. And I just immediately, you know, it was, it was like instinct took over. I wasn't going to sit around and act nervous and like, what do we do? Do we wait? Do we, I just said, Hey man, it's okay. Let's go. You know, we usually go into our shooting, you know, routine and warm up. Let's just, let's just go into it. And Langston was like immediately like, yeah, let's go, let's go. And so, all the interns are kind of looking at me like, is this, is this the okay thing to do? And I was like, man, Drew's going to be here. He's going to be here. He, you know, he probably, he's on his way probably, you know, he's stuck in traffic, whatever. And uh, you know, of course, 10, 15 minutes later he walks in, he's like, Hey man, I'm sorry. I, I feel asleep. Like I, you know, it's, it's like, we're all like, it's okay. You know, but it's one of those things where I felt, you know, I wasn't sitting around going to wait and just like, look and go, oh, man, what do we do? It was, you know, these interns were kind of, we were all looking at each other and I was like, man, let's go. And so I think that was, you know, one of those things that kind of gave me some confidence. And then obviously it helped because if Langston would have been like, no, man, I ain't doing that, you know, I would have felt like an idiot. But luckily he was like, heck yeah, let's go. And it was almost perfect. I mean, by the time we got done with the warm up and routine, we were getting ready to take him into some live stuff. Drew comes walking in. And so it's like, hey, man, we got him warmed up. We got his shot, you know, and he's like, "All all right, perfect. Let's go. And so um, you know, it gave me some confidence. I felt like with the other interns, I kind of took a little bit of a leadership role and, and just said, man, I'm just going to, hey, stick my foot in my mouth here and see what happens. And, it, and it, luckily for me, it worked out. So, uh, but, man, as far as one, I mean, stories, gosh, you know, I think we live as coaches and and trainers for the, for the aha moment, you know, whether you show a player on film because usually you tell them and they can't, they can't see themselves do it, but once they can either feel what you're saying and they go, Oh yeah, I feel that now I got, I understand it. Or you can video them and then show them and they see it and they go, Oh, I see what you're saying now. Okay. And then they change it. And you see that kind of that light bulb moment. I think we live for that and that happens, you know, a lot in sessions. And so, uh, because again, that's what you're trying to do. You're trying to help the player. It's nothing about you. It's you're trying to give them things that can help them and, and, you know, build their confidence and help them in their careers. And so those were the kind of moments, those, you know, aha light bulb moments that we lived before.
0: <laughs> all right, I'm going to add one here. Um, you talked about role players, your favorite role player of all time. Oh,
1: my gosh. What like Good ad. What, what, do what? Oh, he's just—he was, just, he was, that was just a, good a good
2: addition. I like
1: it. Good was, addition. I just—it was—I was thinking about it as you said it. I mean, you know, for me personally, it's going to have to be a, a shooter. And and so, I'll just say with, you know, with the Chicago Bulls because I, you know, I'm the biggest Michael Jordan fan of all time. I grew up, and that's what I love. That's what I watched. So I would just say I'll say Steve Kerr. I'll just I'll just go with Steve Kerr. And of course he's a he's a great coach. So uh me being a shooter that was that was a lot like my game you know I played in college I was a I was a three-point shooter I was a guy that could handle the ball and play the point guard position but I was just a guy that was just a shooter I mean I was a, a knockdown shooter I led the league in the Sunbelt Conference in three-point percentage my senior year I was third makes um and so you know I was a role player most of my career I mean, there was a game, a lot of games I started and and years I did but uh, most of the, my college career, I was a I was a guy that came in and provided a spark off the bench, and so I was a role player. And uh, that would be my, you know, I haven't really thought about that very much, but that'll be my that'll be my favorite role player, Steve Kerr.
0: <clears throat> That's a good one. That's a good one. Uh, uh, favorite food in Arkansas that other states may not eat, or like, you know, what's unique to Arkansas that you guys are eating? Well,
1: there's there's eleven fortune 500 companies around where i live and so believe it or not there's a lot of these crazy great chefs and uh you know a lot of people have to kind of cater to these sam's and walmart tyson and jb hunt so there's a lot of good food in this area um so i could give you a million different but believe it or not and i'm a missouri guy so i know kansas city um i know memphis barbecue is really good but they've got wright's barbecue uh, here in Fayetteville and in Bentonville, and it's some of the best barbecue I've ever had. So I would say Wright's Barbecue. Um, I know they've got some nil deals with the Arkansas football team now, and, um, you know, they, they've gained a lot of popularity, but, man, they, they do. It's good barbecue. Really good. If you ever get a chance to try it, you got to try it out.
2: <clears throat> I want barbecue. Um, all right, so let's go with your favorite jersey in college basketball.
1: Well, again, you know, I, I was kind of a victim of circumstance. Um, my grandparents loved Kentucky basketball, you know, in the late eighties and early nineties. Um, and so, you know, that's what I kind of grew up on. So if you'd asked me that, you know, five, 10 years ago, I would have, I would have probably said Kentucky, but uh, working with so many of the Arkansas Razorbacks, Lady Razorbacks, I'm going to say Arkansas is my favorite. Now I can't, you know, they would probably, they'd probably be upset if I said anything else. So, uh, you know, Coach Eric Musselman with the men's side is obviously doing some great things and starting to get really good recruits. And then Coach Mike Neighbors, same thing. He's, he's um, you know, totally changed their program and starting to get really good recruits. Um, and that's another thing. I can go back to my story. Um, from where I'm from in southeast Missouri in a small town, That I don't think there's – matter of fact, I know there's never been a McDonald's All-American on the women's side uh, from southeast Missouri ever. And I actually, a few years ago, got to train. There were three girls from just this area right here within, you know, 45 minutes of each other that are all three McDonald's All-Americans and that are all three playing the Lady Razorbacks now. And so that would be a cool, that's a kind of a cool training story. I was in the gym with all three of them at the same time. And I'm sitting there thinking, man, this is, this is a rare thing. This is something that doesn't happen very often. And so, and they're all just, you know, one year apart, you have two girls that are freshmen uh, right now for the lady razorbacks and one girl that's a sophomore. And so, um, you know, that's kind of a a unique thing. So and a long answer to your question, but
0: all good. All good. All right. Similarly, your least favorite mascot in sports. Gosh, I have no idea. I thought maybe about your that. least, maybe your least favorite team. What is the team like you don't like? Like,
1: you, you, you well, uh, you know, I'm not a big fan of Trojans. So, I, I played at Arkansas State, and Arkansas Little Rock was our big rivalry, and state rivalry, and so they were the they were the Trojans. So, I'll just I'll just go with that.
2: I like it. <laughs> All right, so you're shooting 100 free throws by yourself in a gym. How many are you making? I uh, haven't done it in a while, but I,
1: I would make I would make ninety plus for sure. All right. I, I I can hit you know I've got I've got several videos. Um, sometimes I post them on on Facebook or, uh, you know where I have all my trick shots and I have free throw. Like, I I think I hit sixty free throws one hand in a row. That's you know it's it's not hard to do. It's just simple mechanics. Just kind of push the ball straight and high to the rim. So. It's easy, you know, when there's no crowd and everything, you're just in the gym by yourself, it's a lot easier.
0: You kind of let into it. You said trick shots, what's your best horse shot? If you're going to go put somebody away, finish the deal, what do you, what do you go, bust it out?
1: So I actually have um, a video of that on my, on my Facebook with a lot of my different trick shots. Uh, Like my, hey, you know, what's it called? The dude perfect shots, but um, horse shots probably, you know, bounce from half court bounce from the, you know, at the angle, half the glass goes in, but you know, behind your head from half court.
0: um, He's got a whole uh, bag of tricks, John. He's got a whole. Oh yeah. 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 We ain't ain't showing up to play horse against coach. When you, yeah. When
1: you're a gym rat and you spent your whole, you know, especially your, your young years in the gym, literally every day, you you learn a lot of crazy stuff. So (laughs) I've got some crazy, some crazy shots.
2: Well, coach, we thank you so much for joining us. There was some great content on skill development and, and improving as a player and what to do and what not to do. So we, we really do thank you for being on the show today and uh, we look forward to your content on social media going forward.
1: Yes, sir. Thank you guys both so much for having me and good luck the rest of the way. If I can ever help you in any way, please reach out and, um, keep serving keep having fun i hope you guys stay safe up there i know you guys are in a tough area as far as covid and uh so stay safe stay well and if y'all ever need anything let me know
2: thank you for listening to another episode of the after the timeout podcast hosted by todd zazadil and john Plucky. For more show content and upcoming episodes, follow us on Twitter at AfterThe Timeout or subscribe to our podcast for upcoming episodes. For show inquiries, you can email us at afterthetimeout at gmail.com. You can find all of our previous episodes on Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts by searching After the Timeout. We appreciate you listening. Tune in next time for more coaching content in-game, out of the game, and anything in between.